Hello, everyone. You have Jake and Seth back together again after a couple weeks apart. And today we are going to discuss the 1990s film Cruel Intentions, directed by Robert Crumble, with an all-star young cast that we're going to dive into, but led by Sarah Michelle Gellar, uh, Ryan Phillippe, and Reese Witherspoon. This is a remake of La Dangerous Liaisons, um, which I didn't see. I hope Seth sure did, hoping to give me a little backup there. And then, last but not least, this film was made for $10.5 million. It made it more than $75 million. So it was big success at the box office. It was also, I thought it was even bigger than this. Even though this is back in a time where $100 million in, in the U.S. domestic was like a huge number, uh, 75 is very good. This was, and it might just be because of our age, this was definitely like an MTV movie. It wasn't an actual made by MTV, but this was an MTV generation movie, I felt like. And so almost like American Pie, where I feel like it just looms larger, maybe in our age bracket than others. But I'm going on, I really enjoyed this movie. Uh, but I'm going to throw it to you, Seth. I've been going on a little too long. So, Devin, what were your yeah. thoughts? Uh, very similar to you. Uh, you know, the, that box office number surprised me a little bit. Um, I, I do think it's like, it's just a touchstone for a couple of these actors where it's like when I think of them in their early years, this is kind of the movie where I'm like, oh, this is when I started to know who this person was. Definitely that way for Reese and Ryan Felipe, um, who were in a relationship at the time and then went on to get married. Um, definitely that way for Sarah Michelle Gellar. You know, that's when I probably first learned her name. Um, Joshua Jackson appears in this movie, also was big. Uh, this was during Dawson's Creek period, you know. So all these actors were pretty hot, like, at the time. And there were definitely a lot of up-and-comers. Um, and, yeah, I mean... I actually, I don't really like to compare it to Dangerous Liaisons, even though that is the source material. Um, I haven't read that novel. I have watched that movie, the, the John Malkovich, uh, Glenn Close movie. I love that the Dangerous Liaisons movie. I think it's a great, great movie with some great acting. Um, the, uh, you know, the main difference, obviously, is that one is, uh, you know, is a period piece, and it's more about, like, aristocratic life and the way that, uh, you know, these people can kind of manipulate other people in terms of... <laughs> Their sexual relationships and so i do think it was kind of a brilliant idea to take that sort of um concept and transfer it into like modern day 90s high school culture and uh i just think that was like a brilliant idea you know i don't i don't think that would have been like the first thing i would have thought of in terms of what to do with that story um but i do think it was a great movie and it does play really well um who, i'll tell you I just want to quickly say, I think you, I, I couldn't agree more that the like parallels between the French aristocracy at that point, like right before the fall compared to just generally rich entitled American teenagers, like the level of entitlement, manipulation, like vindictiveness and pettiness. I'm like, that's pretty good. It's uh, it, there's, there's some good uh, symmetry there. Sorry. I, I didn't mean to cut you off. You. No, yeah, that, that, that setting of just like, you know, the Upper East Side private high school Manhattanites. Um, it's a very exclusive culture that, that exists, but that culture does exist. And, it, you know, it's believable when you watch it that these people are insanely rich, um, you know, don't know what to do with their time and most of the time, like, kind of just spend their time manipulating others and stuff. So I, that aspect, I think, was really well done. Um, but the thing that surprised me the most in my rewatch was actually because I think this movie is more well-known for Felipe and Reese Witherspoon. But I actually found myself really surprised at the Sarah Michelle Gellar performance. I really thought she did a great job in this movie. 
I, I thought she was great as kind of like the queen of all the little games going on. And it's a harder role for her, I think, than it is for Reese. And I just thought, I thought she did really well with that like kind of dark side role. I think that's a great way to lead into it. Yeah, the, the only thing, you kind of touched on this. This film in hindsight feels, yeah, so important. Going into this film, I thought of them as Buffy. Sarah Michelle Gellar was Buffy. Reese Witherspoon, I knew her from Fear, that Mark Wahlberg, which is a totally underrated film. We should actually watch that. Very terrifying. Um, and then Ryan Phillippe from, I, I believe, he, I know what you did last summer. That was his big role at that time. And But in 20 years hindsight, or 20 plus years, you mentioned, I see this as like their touchstones. This is the bedrock of their fame. And But going into this film, like not that they were unproven, but they were young. In my notes, I kind of mentioned it was almost like an American graffiti, although maybe more so for like, not to be rude, with the exception of Reese Witherspoon, more so for TV actors. Um, And I'll go into that a little deeper. But the big thing, you mentioned it, Sarah Michelle Gellar, so against role. Like this was a whole thing in the 90s. Everyone talked about, I'm going to forget the actress's name. I think it was Elizabeth something who played Jesse Spano on Saved by the Bell. And she wanted a break out of her good girl image. So she did Showgirls. And she it was a terrible movie, and she basically destroyed her career. And then there was um, Jessica Biel on Seventh Heaven. And by the way, the irony there, she did a Playboy cover where I think she didn't even get naked. She just was in underwear, and she got kicked off the show. Meanwhile, the actor who was the dad is, like, fondling kids. Seriously, he was a child predator and never got in trouble. Just mind-blowing. Uh, but that, having to break out or being seen in a different role was a big thing. And so you mentioned it. This was so against hype for her. Now, in her defense, she wasn't playing a goody two-shoes. She was playing a vampire slayer as in Buffy. But that's still a good, like, she's a good person. She doesn't have, she's not playing mind games. She's not having weird sex, like, sexual games. And, like, she's not, like, it's so against hype and... I liked it so much where it almost made me wonder why we haven't seen more roles like this out of her, but I was looking at her IMDb listings and it's like, she has done a ton of TV, but really nothing, no movie you could point to where you'd be like, Oh, that was a hit movie. You know, she was a part of that or something like that. You know, her credits are kind of underwhelming when you really look at them. And uh, yeah, like, you know, I think, before this movie came out, I definitely would have thought that she would have been cast in the, in the Reese Witherspoon part as, uh, you know, and I think that was probably the more coveted role for, for like the female actresses of that time. But the way that she kind of takes that dark part and just kind of <laughs> runs with it, I mean, she really was the highlight of the movie for me. I found myself looking forward more to her scenes than the scenes between Felipe and Reese. Um, and like, there's a lot of mind games going on, you know, Felipe. I found myself feeling like Felipe he's kind of supposed to have this transformation in the movie from like this dark, cold, brooding, um, cavalier, sexual guy that's just out, he's out to steal a girl's virginity, basically. And it's like, he doesn't care who he hurts, he doesn't care, you know, whose hearts he breaks. Um, you know, totally vain type of character. Um, but it's like the Reese Witherspoon, you know, relationship kind of changes it. And he like finds his emotions and he actually falls in love. And it, he goes through this whole thing of like, I, I can't be this other guy now because I fall for this girl kind of thing. And that transformation, I felt like he pulled off. But at the end of the day, I just, <laughs> I kept looking forward to this Sarah Michelle Gellar scenes. I really liked the scenes between him, or between her and Felipe. I thought those were really well done for the most part. Uh, and kind of the back and forth that those two have. 
the scenes between Felipe and Reese, it's like it's much more like that poker game of like, is she falling for like the, the dirty tricks that he's playing on her? You know, you know, is she believing some of his wholesome stuff? Is she believing, you know, that he's trying to kind of like reform his reputation in front of her? Is she buying all that? And it's like, you know, there's some good cat and mouse there, but the real meat of the movie to me was the, the Sarah Michelle Gellar and the Ryan Felipe scenes. You touched on a couple of things there I want to unpack. First being that I know it's probably not great when we always agree with each other, but I really couldn't agree more. The chemistry between him and Sarah Michelle Geller, I remember the first time I seen it being like, oh, I want them to hook up. Like, I don't care about Reese. Like, I, I, these are these people are evil. I want them to be evil together. Evil together. Um, and this is the thing about Reese. Her role, she's great in the role, but the role is also, like, written. Like, when I talk about Captain America or, or the pitfalls of, like, Superman, Captain America – when someone's too good, they, they can almost like pass the uncanny valley where, where it's hard to relate to them. She manages to bridge that gap, I think, just with her charm and innocence. And also, again, I'm thinking of her as like the innocent girl from fear. So there's this natural like sympathy. I, I don't know. But it's just a little bland. Like, I, I don't like her. I don't really like her. I'm just hoping that she's not being taken advantage of for the fact that she's not taken advantage of. Whereas Sarah Michelle Geller, her character is just so much more interesting. Like I want to root for her even though she's bad. And I like the chemistry between her and Philippi is incredible. The chemistry between Philippi and Reese is good, but you kind of touched on this. I, I felt like the courtship, it works because of them because it works because it basically comes down to it and he said like like you said it like i want to change for you like the whole thing it's like do you believe i'm willing to change for you but every girl wants to hear from the this this type of scallywag and uh and it's the idea of if you believe the guy who says it and i get that but i just thought the courtship was a bit shallow and short because the one thing i i didn't realize this No, it's agreed. And even, and like, I, one of the things I didn't mention, I remember seeing this film and liking it when I was younger, kind of being surprised at how Sarah Michelle Geller was cast. And it was like, oh, it was so like sexy and it was so scandalous. And it was like, whoa, I hadn't really seen that, at least in a way like this, where there still wasn't like nudity or touch of, like, there wasn't a ton of sex, like actual sex scenes, but it was all about sex, which I, which I remember liking. And I think ages really well where it doesn't come off as smut. Like there are parts that might be a little like borderline when she's giving a hand job, but like it's it's pretty taste it's pretty tasteful. I agree. No, I I forgot that as well. Like there's really not a lot of nudity. Um, it's a lot of seduction. And honestly, that's like that's what gets viewers. You know, the, those scenes where Sarah Michelle Geller is seducing Felipe and kind of twisting him around her finger to get him to do these little things that she wants, those are the scenes that come off like really sexually. Exactly. And then you see him kissing Reese and I'm like, I believe 
that some girl really is enjoying this, but I'm not feeling the heat coming off the screen. Um, the one quick thing just about the courtship too. I didn't realize this the first time, but I kind of, this bothered me. I like this film, so I'm not going to gripe, but, but I feel like we're going to talk about more of the things we like, but this is now that we're talking about the courtship and the chemistry. I felt like the fact he was over to able, he, Sebastian overcame a couple of hurdles through Reese's gay friend who, and first of all, I think a little bit of the politics of him, like holding his gay card or outing him is as leverage probably hasn't aged super great. Although I have no problem with it. These are, as we said, evil people doing evil things or bad people, at least doing bad things. So like, I'm fine with that. But at the same time, you use him like two or three times where she's like not convinced or he can't find her and he calls this guy and he, and he gets it. It just, they went to that well one too many times for me where he, he felt almost his, his main role there. I never saw the friendship between him and Reese that made sense about why he had so much sway over her. It reminds me of the Seinfeld episode where Lane keeps giving her friend terrible advice, like break up with the guy with the high pitched voice, join the army for structure, like totally destroys her friend's life trying to help out. And that was just like that was the parallel I was drawing there. Um, they, they needed to establish that friendship between the gay character and Reese a little bit more before just like having it be like, oh, he shows up at a beach with her and explains that Felipe's not a horrible person. And it's like it doesn't totally make sense that she's like buying every word he says. And I, I like I think both of us like the movie, but there is definitely a couple believability moments for me, especially kind of in the third act that I had some issues with for sure. Um, you know, the, the first time there's that scene where like Reese, they're having that argument in the room and Felipe is kind of threatening to leave for the rest of the summer. And then she kind of closes the door behind them and locks it and then kind of undoes her like blouse or whatever. And clearly like signaling she's ready to like give up her B card to him. And then he freaks out about it. I kind of felt like he would have done the deed right there. <laughs> and, uh, it was a little hard for me to believe that he'd freak out there. I also, the whole sequence of him, like, giving his journal to her so that she could read and understand all the personal details of what was happening, I I felt like if any girl really read that journal and understood that there was a, a wager going on and all these sexual manipulations happening between people, I don't think she, she would have, like, stayed in love with him. I found that a little hard to believe. I feel like it would have made its way to the FBI and he would have been on yes. Mindhunters. Yeah. Like that. And then they hand it out to the entire school at the end and everybody's like, oh, Sarah Michelle Gellar, what a horrible person. It's like, Brian Felipe is no angel in any of these situations. He's been seducing and manipulating young girls for forever. And then putting those photos out of Tara Reid, by the way, Suitsy Kurtz's daughter. Like, he was a terrible, terrible person. I mean, oh, yeah, he might have put out revenge porn for past girlfriends, which is terrible and totally invasive, but he really, really loves Reese. He would never do that to Reese. Like, that doesn't (laughs) – how sorry is he? Like, what? he he didn't even apologize. It all came out after he died. Like, it's – I liked it, but – and again – it worked because I really was rooting for Sarah Michelle Gellar's character. When he died, I remember being like, oh, that didn't have to happen, but not being too upset. 
and it happens again in this when it happens on pun rewatch i'm kind of happy i'm like this guy a little bit of a dirtbag reese witherspoon can actually move on with her life sarah michelle geller goes down and now the uh, sean patrick harris and selma blair characters can court each other freely I don't think she intended for anyone to die. I think she just wanted yeah. Sebastian to get his ass kicked and embarrassed. And I also thought that at the same time, that would further isolate the Sean Patrick Harris character, the violin tutor, or the tutor. Um, right. That would so. that act would not only embarrass Sebastian, but I feel like it would further isolate the, that character from the, her community. And that Sean Patrick Harris character is one of the few people who I think could have identified and figured out what was going on because he knew that they were being played with that him and the Selma Blair character were being played with so and but with all that being said the message I took away from that was she didn't intend for him to die however it that you're playing with people's emotions you did want violence and that it was an accident but that happens like people get in fights I mean not to go too deep but in a town near us in high school there was a drunken fight and someone ended up dying someone got cold cocked hit his head they didn't take him right to the hospital and the poor kid died. It was terrible. But like that's you get teenagers or young men fighting, like that some you don't always mean for the worst to happen. And I think that's just kind of the way where you look at her. It's she might not intend for it to happen, but she certainly didn't seem upset. She was more upset when the wager got out than anything happening to her definitely. stepbrother. She's definitely much more hurt by her the, the destruction of her reputation than she is by any personal relationship that got ruined. And that's kind of where it's like of all the characters, she is kind of the most sociopathic, I would say, where she really doesn't have feelings for anybody else, and she's really only worried about her own reputation amongst this like very elite group of people. <laughs> the the upper crust, if you would. Right. Uh, it's also one other thing. This is very minor, but I found it very. I actually started laughing at the end of the movie. The scene with Reese driving away with Ryan Felipe's car, which was like kind of part of the wager in the beginning. Uh, did, did this guy have a will that he like gave her the car and then, like I don't think he had you know he's like an underage kid he's got this car how the fuck does this girl end up with this car there like, was there was no way the car's title was even in his name that was not his car I mean it's a nice ending she's driving off in his you know cool black car but it's just kind of like how the fuck does she end up with that car while you're on this this isn't a great more of a question what magical highways are they on because they fly in and out of new york on the highways. like I, I didn't see one thing of traffic although that that is a question that does kind of lead into a gripe you're using the new york setting and it could have been anywhere you're because it's all the inside of um and, and maybe they did use like a real new york i i believe there was some i saw some of the tracking shots or, or and there were some shots of definitely of new york but everything felt like it was taking place inside of these apartments or in these very generic outdoor spaces that could be anywhere or in these estates 
which looked suspiciously yeah. like California, Southern California. Um, but I agree with that. There's some opening, yeah, there's a couple sequences where they kind of show you the skyline, and like you're right, Felipe is flying across bridges that nobody has ever driven that quickly across in the history of New York City. Um, and uh, yeah, the majority of the movie takes place in interiors and at this large estate that, that kind of doesn't involve the New York setting. I agree that there could have been a better use. I mean, there's also, I want to say that scene in Central Park, the, the famous kiss between Sarah mm-hmm. Michelle Geller and Selma Blair, that's kind of a moment in New York, but, but I think you're right. Like, the city isn't kind of jumping across the screen to you. It's more, it's more interiors and just like conversations inside of places. And so, I don't think it kills the movie, but it, it could have. It, I definitely think it could have been elevated a little bit if you have a, a little more going on in like well-known locations around New York. I just feel yeah, like there could have been, and I know at the end, uh, the fight that also takes place in New York. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I just. Maybe I'm asking too much of it. You've spoiled me with some of these old-time directors with, like, Dog Day Afternoon and all these uh, great directors who know how to, like, set the tone and use New York so well. And it just – that was one of the things that occurred to me because when I started watching it, I was like, oh, I forgot this takes place in New York. And then I kept watching it, and there were a few times where I was like, are they in Boston? Are they in Chicago? Are they in L.A.? Like, I'm not quite it's sure. Tricky. So I feel like we've been talking a lot about things we didn't like, or even though, I mean, we talked about Sarah Michelle Gellar um, and not that we're being overly critical. We would never do that. But I do want to talk about some of the things that I did like, just call attention to the first is this is going to sound weird. And I feel like sometimes I might put too much emphasis on this, but the runtime of 97 minutes and it, taking out credits, it's basically a 90 minute movie. Was so nice. I, we were watching it as we were preparing dinner, and then we finished it during dinner, and it and then clean up, and it was like, okay. That was so nice. Like it was uh, after, especially as a movie fan, and all of the movies I've been excited about. I feel like over the last two or three years have been pushing two hours and fifteen minutes to three hours of runtime, legitimately, and just this this movie. And I know I spent a lot of time like, oh, the it was a little shallow. Some there was some a little too quick. He could finish these obstacles. I do realize a byproduct of of the short runtime is you're going to have some undeveloped things or maybe some rushed plots. So I will say this, even though I am some, I think they still could have had a tighter story in the time they had, just with like a little, I don't maybe a different scene or two. I'm not going to rewrite it. I did appreciate how that they told a pretty complete story. Uh, even with a few warts in 90 minutes. And it, it was, it, I really enjoyed it. They're basically told, it, 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 to me, it's like two films, or it's working on two levels. It's that game between the Philippi and Geller characters, and they're playing this chess game of nippling everyone. Then there's the actual courtship between him and between Philippi and uh, Witherspoon. And it works on both levels. And, and I thought, I really liked it. And I thought they did a lot in 90 minutes. I agree, yeah. I, I think in the wrong hands, this movie could get bogged down and kind of be too slow and there'd be too many conversations and stuff, but 
be moving at a pretty good pace. I mean, you know, it kind of slows down a little bit during that courtship and the estate scenes and stuff, but there's enough going on between the characters that you're always pretty interested in the next scene because you don't quite know how it's going to play out if you're a first-time viewer. And so I do think, and like also like the whole thing with Selma Blair and, and uh, Sean Patrick Thomas and like the way Gail is kind of manipulating them on the side. There's also like the Joshua Jackson thing going on. Also, you know, by the way, I kind of like the, the quick Joshua Jackson performance in there as well. He's a guy could have been up for that Felipe part, I feel like, and could have done a good job with it. But he kind of embraces just playing that gay character who's also kind of like <laughs> manipulating people on his own. You know, he's getting paid by Felipe. He's getting sex from people that he wants to get sex from. And I thought he did a pretty good job just kind of playing that role as well. And so uh, you're right, though. They, they get a lot in the time that they have. They get a lot done plot-wise, which is kind of tough to pull off sometimes and, and not get bogged down in anything. Well, you, you kind of touched on one of the other things that I really like. Not by kind of, I mean exactly. I think the other strength of the film was the supporting cast. And I touched on it earlier, but you, you mentioned it. You have Joshua Jackson in what I, it reminds me almost of Brad Pitt's stoner role in True Romance. Maybe not quite as epic, but he just pops in and he's only in there for a little bit, but he really eats it up and you remember him. And that was the thing I remember seeing in the credits, like, oh, Joshua Jackson's in the film. I was like, oh, he is. I can't remember the role he was in. And then he has that scene where he just has that like shit eating grin, devil may care attitude. Like, yep, I fuck, like fucked you, and then I really fucked you. Like, it's just was he, and I love Joshua Jackson. Um, but and then we we've talked about Sean Patrick Thomas, Selma Blair, Tara Reid is in the beginning, Swootsy Kurtz, and those those names. No, they're maybe not the biggest movie stars, but they're all still stars, and they're all. They've all been in movies, but they're all huge TV stars. Almost all of them have had Tara Reed's a bigger movie star, but the rest of them, Tom, like Selma Blair, Joshua Jackson, Sean Patrick Thomas, Swootsy Kurtz, they've all been big time TV stars. And that's just the supporting cast. And, it, and to me, it really, the quality of the, that cast shows uh, the supporting cast helps deliver, I think, a lot. Just so much of oh, and Eric Mabius is in it too. He's the guy who's blackmailed, and he was in. He's been in a bunch of TV shows. It's just a really deep cast. Christine Baranski. I. I it's so deep, and so it they just. Fill their roles really well too. Yeah. It's like it doesn't feel like anyone's like out of place or kind of like underserved. Like everyone feels like oh yeah, this is like this is like a, a role that they were like should be playing, and like they all, they all fill their roles really well. So it is a yeah, the cast. Had a great job casting in this movie, honestly, especially because you know not all these people were super famous when the movie came out, but after the movie, almost all of them were, were pretty well known. And I also want to say, I think at this point, Joshua Jackson was known for Dawson's Creek and The Mighty Duck. So to cast him as a gay uh, provocateur, seduct like seductor, is is definitely again out of character or off type, off brand, and, and it works for him. And granted, he's doing fine now. He's been in Doctor Death. And the affair, and he's been in other movies. He's he's doing just great. Um, he's the one character too, where like you could say, not that he's out manipulating Geller and Felipe, but like you know he makes his money off Felipe, and he gets what he wants from the other gay character. It's like I, he's like one of the only other people that's kind of like operating at that upper level in terms of manipulating people. I always think of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, and they're basically they're these two side characters from a Shakespeare play who people thought were interesting. Um, they were killed. They're killed by Hamlet, 
and there are these two men who you're not sure if they're working farm or not, but they're considered someone sympathetic. And later on, someone wrote a play about them. Long-winded way of saying, I always use them as almost the template or a lens for supporting characters, especially ones you don't have a lot of time. Like, are they interesting? And do I want to know the rest of their story? I would see a 90-minute film about Joshua Jackson's story, either leading up to this film, like, because you talked about, like, being at that level, like, he is depth. Like, and maybe not in terms of, like, oh, they don't spend a whole bunch of time. Like, you're only with him for a few minutes, but in those few minutes, you realize that he can work on two levels, both in the working with Philippi as, like, this underhanded level and still seduce this guy on this more, like, oh, up and up, like, this guy doesn't realize anything. And then you get to see him play both those. And like, again, that just shitting and grin he gives that like when he introduces Philippi, it's just so perfect. And it's like, I, I love him. And I just thought it was a great role and a great scene. Totally. Totally. Agree. Yeah. That, like, I think, you know, it could be written a way where it's like, he runs out of the room so that he doesn't take any of the guilt in that moment. But it's like the way he just stays there and laughs at the situation and just enjoys himself. It really does. It, 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 it speaks to how good of a character. I also, did you get the idea too that I felt like Joshua Jackson and the Mabius, they were still going to have sex. I feel like that was Joshua Jackson being like, yep, like we're still, I'm going to keep having sex with you too. If, like that obviously wanted, but I kind of got that feeling like it was just like, he was like, yep, I've been doing that too. Everybody, we are back. I wanted to take a minute to discuss the music. Talking about things we liked, I kind of bashed the film for not doing a great job using New York as a setting. I will say they did a great job in terms of chronology as a setting because the music choice felt very 90s, also very late 90s. Maybe one or the two of the choices felt a little dated, like I haven't heard that since the 90s, but for the most part, it, they were good songs. It was good song choice. I thought it was a tasteful soundtrack. Yes, I agree. I actually, I was impressed with a couple of the songs. Not yet, like you said, very 90s, very like of the era, but um, also like the, the fitting for the scenes that they were in. Um, I think it's the, the song that's most well known in the movie is that kind of reunion moment between uh, Felipe and Reese when he meets her at the top of the escalator. And it's, I, I forget the name of the song. I think it's a Cali Crow song or something like that. But it's just that it's it's one of those very very fitting pop music songs that fits with the scene emotionally, and it can be hard to pull off. Um, I would say Tarantino asking times in terms of some of the musical choices, um, not not in terms of like similar music to Tarantino, but just the way that he can use pop music to convey emotions in certain scenes and stuff. And I thought, yeah, the soundtrack really does jump off the screen for me. Okay. Thank you. And once again, you said that better than I could have. Thank you for elaborating on all the things that I wanted to say. But that does lead into a question I have. Because Roger Crumble, to your point, I think does an incredible job in this film with, you can speak to the camera work better than I can, but as a novice, I, I thought he did a great job with from a technical standpoint with the music. As we, as we said, it's a great story, great, great acting, great cast great product. I looked at his filmography. I 
can't help but be disappointed. Like, I, I like Just Friends. I think Just Friends is probably one of my favorite. It's one of my favorite Ryan Reynolds films. I, I think it's very underrated. I think it's very good. I like it more than his Van Wilder film. But uh, just looking at it, like he he clearly started off as a comedy director with National Lampoons. Um, or excuse me, as a writer. He started off as a writer. This was his first film. And I don't know if he's hard to work with or if he just – I don't know what his deal is. But he goes from this into Cruel Intentions 2, which is straight to DVD. It was made – or straight to video. It was made – I started it and turned it off. Uh, it was just so, it was, I couldn't believe this was the sequel to a successful film uh, at the time. I just couldn't believe it. And it just felt like such a money grab, but it didn't even release to theaters. It was like Amy Adams is in it and a couple other like small, a couple other actresses like who, who you recognize, but it's not good. And then he does the sweetest thing, which was his next big film, which I bet, was probably the Cruel Intentions 2 was a money grab. I'm sure they paid him a, a great deal. Sweetest Thing was not a great Cameron Diaz vehicle. Just Friends was funny, but it wasn't uh, super successful. College Road Trip, not great. Furry Vengeance was like a complete, complete bust. And then after that, he, he's just done smaller fare since then, or he's done like straight to Netflix, romantic films, uh, but definitely smaller. And that's a very long-winded way of just going about it. I probably shouldn't have come through his whole filmography, but I just, you, it's like... It, it's, yeah, it's frustrating because it's like, this is such a complex movie, different themes working. I mean, the soundtrack, like we said, is great. Uh, a lot of the camera work is really good. You know, I think of that last shot, um, or one of the last shots where, where Geller realizes that her reputation has been destroyed by this journal and Bittersweet Symphony is playing another yeah. great song of that era. And it's just, he has this great hand shot across everybody. And you're right. I mean, tech, on a technical level, there's a lot of things that, that are pretty impressive about this movie, including the screenplay and the, the, the quickness of it. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know a ton about this guy. Um, I, I have, you know, have and always will be impressed with cruel intentions but it's like I, I don't know if he's just one of these guys where you know maybe he, that was all he had in him and he just didn't have another big project like that and i mean even cruel intentions it's like he didn't come up with that source material you know and so it, it's definitely just this big adaptation but i don't know i don't know what happened to this guy similar to sir michelle Geller, it's like i feel like she could have had you know, some other major moments of her career. But I kind of look back and I feel like this is her high point as well. Sarah Michelle Geller. quickly about the Cruel Intentions 2, I should have done this, but some quick on-the-fly uh, research. So it was released direct-to-video, and it was written directed by Crumble, or excuse me, I've been saying Crumble, Roger Crumble. But it was assembled from three episodes that he filmed for Manchester Prep, which is supposed to be a prequel series. So no wonder it was like pilot quality because it was made as a pilot basically which is terrible but the quickly about sarah michelle Geller, couldn't agree more she cumble to me is someone who had a like an all-star rookie year and then never was able yeah. to even come to it close again geller had a bit she had a little bit of a run with scream 2 cruel intentions what else did she have scooby-doo series the grudge 
Not, not that I was a huge fan of any of them. But then, yeah, like what should have been her prime, she might have been caught in just like a rough time. But it's, I can't say that though. She's still young and she's in her like early 40s. And again, she's peers with Reese Witherspoon, uh, yeah, who's still making like films. I was saying this, even Selma, Selma was on TV up until a couple of years ago. I, I think she's sick now with MS. And But uh, Selma Blair was doing, was probably, I'm not, don't know who made more or whatever, but Selma Blair was, I feel like, working more, at least in TV. Uh, granted, Sarah Michelle Gellar has become a really big voice actress, it seems like. Um, but even like, you know, I mean, I don't think Felipe and Joshua Jackson have had like all star careers, but they still have had like careers, you know what I mean? And it's like, yeah, Geller and the director both are, are the most underwhelming in terms of like post this movie. I would say the two of them, I just, you know, when this movie came out, there's no way you would have thought this was the high point for both. They were both so young, and this just seemed like they were showing off so much skill. Well, I mean, Geller is a, a tremendous performance, and like we said, the director, great on the technical level. And for them to just not equal this at any point in the rest of you know, the next 20 plus years, it's kind of sad. But the other, you know, I would say Reese, Felipe, Joshua Jackson, all have had much better careers than them too. Yeah, you said it. It's really the only disappointing thing, like coming out of the movie. Uh, that was what I keep coming back to. I was like, this, what did Cumble do next? <laughs> what did he do yeah. since? And then just looking at Sarah Michelle Geller, Sarah Michelle Geller needs either her own like TV vehicle. Like I think she could be a star again and like the right TV show. If she wanted to be like do primetime TV, maybe her own like mayor of East town. But I think she could be maybe a revamp from someone like Quentin Tarantino or just like, uh, just see her in a different light. But I think she's got some more. I like the TV show idea. You know, it's like she didn't carry that monkey show for a number of years and that was a really popular show. So it's like I can see her being in like a prestige TV show, or yeah, maybe reinvented by some, like a Tarantino or somebody like that. But it is just kind of—I mean, she's so good in this movie, and uh, for no one else to kind of tap into that, I, you know, that's definitely just kind of feels like a loss of uh, talent there. It feels like a huge loss. Yeah, it just wasted opportunity. I mean, it's, I like—I get that she's in Scooby Doo. You know, the Grudge movies are okay, but it's like those movies are not tapping into her skills the way this movie does. That, and that was the other thing I was going to say. Even though she had success, she's never given the opportunity to do anything as interesting or versatile as this or really even touch into this dark, go to that dark place. So it's, yeah, just that that's really the most disappointing thing I have. That's my biggest gripe. It's that Hollywood, I feel like, failed her. And <laughs> then we didn't get to see more yeah. performances like this. Yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, that could be, you know, maybe Reese Witherspoon just had a better agent. Or, you know, maybe, you know, Geller just, you know, wasn't cast in the roles that she was trying to get. You know, you don't really know what happens behind the scenes and why some actresses get some roles and other people don't. But it just feels like a void there of, like, 20 years. <laughs> I mean, we, we've talked about it in the past, not recently, but about when the Me Too stuff came out with Harvey Weinstein and we knew there were other producers involved. Like, maybe yeah. she wasn't – who knows? I, I'm not – making yeah, accusations with, with the right yeah. yeah or putting it but maybe she just maybe she didn't want to do business with harvey weinstein or other producers and she made over money and she made over money on tv and could do animation 
I'm kind of crafting or creating a narrative, so I'm going to stop. Um, there's nothing, I have nothing to back that up. But it's just interesting because we've talked in the past, but no, this is happening. We're like, oh, it'll be interesting as we move forward. And as we've been doing this series, it's come up a few times, especially with these 90s films. It's like, what happened to this actress? She seems so talented. And it's, I don't know. And I'm not casting dispersions or accusing any producer she worked with or saying that anything happened to her. But it just it's one of the situations where I can't help but wonder she was so talented. Why didn't we get more opportunities yeah. to see her do things? Totally agree. Um, and I mean, it could also, you know, she is one of those people that she made a lot of money when she was young. Like, I'm sure that her, you know, bank account was much larger than Reese's after this movie. And so she may not have needed to make the type of, you know, strides that Reese made after this movie. And she may have just kind of sat back a little bit as well. Yeah, you're right. We don't know what happens behind the scenes, but it is interesting to look at all the careers of these people afterwards and just kind of think about because it's like if you watch the movie, Geller and the director, I think, come across as the two most talented of the movie. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was like when the Bucks won the Super Bowl, she would be like, it would be like Warren Sapp and Derek Brooks. Like they were like the spine of the of the championship of the team of whatever. They're like, oh, yeah. Those guys looked really good. Like yeah. they, they looked like the best players on the field. Like, and then they go. I don't know where to take that analogy, so I'll just I'll let it die right there on the vine. Um, I, I'm ready. I'm ready to wrap it up. Unless there's anything else we want to talk about. I'll leave this time. Just to wrap it up, I thought it was a really strong film, but it moved fast while juggling a bunch of interesting storylines. And he does a great job of bringing it all together for a good finale. Strong cast, good direction, good story, good chemistry. Just a very good movie overall. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not even going to gripe. I think the biggest gripes we talk about, a couple... uh, Things happen towards the middle and the third act, kind of belie belief, but it doesn't lose me. It's kind of distracting a bit. And again, everything comes together in the finale. Uh, I will say, like this film, it didn't like it gave me the feels, but not very deeply. Like, like kind of like the characters in the film. Like once it was over, I, as I said, the thing I cared about most was the lack of career for Sarah Michelle Geller. I kind of forgot about the characters. Good, to, glad to see Sebastian dead. Um, that's a terrible thing to say. But uh, I felt like everyone it ended on a good note for everyone. Uh, yeah, I'm a pretty. Oh, did you score there? Oh, sorry. Seven point five out of ten. Seven point five. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm probably in the same general area. Um, I do think the direction, uh, for the most part, is pretty high level. Um, again, the pacing and the soundtrack and everything really enjoy. Great performances by multiple actors. Um, you know, the way Felipe and Geller, the, their scenes, um, I, I would stop whatever I was doing if I saw one of their scenes come on my TV at any point. And so for that fact alone, you know, I think it's a great, great not a great movie, but a very good movie, at least. Um, the other supporting characters are also really well done and believable. Um, my main gripes, uh, again, would kind of be some of the believability factors down the stretch there in terms of like, the releasing of his journal and the way people react to that, especially the way the Reese character kind of reacts to that, and some of the other school students as well. Um, and Brian Felipe, if this came out today, I think it'd have to be rewritten a little bit differently so that he wasn't as misogynistic 
and he was a little bit more forgivable inside the journal at least um but it's like, like the way that character is i don't think he comes across as heroic to anybody and so and the way they're kind of reveling in his memory at the end of the movie is pretty hard to swallow <laughs> at least for me he um, never it's hard for me i'm sorry go ahead, no, go ahead. he never actually did anything nice he just wanted to do something nice One of the few things where I was like, <laughs> felt like he was moving at a different speed than the car. He just like <laughs> bounced right off of it. Like when the car stopped 10 feet later, I was like, oh, what? I know we talked about New York traffic again, but what car is moving that fast? Like on Central Park West, like nobody goes there. It's, it would have been a five mile an hour collision. Come on now. Also, I mean, just from the sheer rubbernecking, People would see the fight. They fought for like several minutes on the side of the road and there would be a crowd. Like New York isn't, there's still a crowd when people fight. It's not that like, people do care about what's going on around them. People are literally walking by in the scene. The one thing, the one last note, uh, Liza and I have talked about this before. Like when you're ever in a fight, like just don't, when you're ever in trouble, don't get in the way. And when the beast gets in the way and gets him killed, I turned around and I was just like, told you. That's why you, you you stay out of the man's way when there's a, a fight going on. Also, considering the wealth of these people, um, the, the taxi driver, no doubt, would have been sued beyond belief. And so, I mean, maybe that was just cut, but uh, <laughs> that guy would have been sued up the wazoo. Yeah, show that sequel where you destroy that hardworking American's life, destroy his family, send him to jail, take away the medallion. All that being said, though, uh, the, the movie really does represent pretty well um and so i'm probably like a seven point i'll go with like a 7.6 like one notch ahead of you i will say this though Jake, one upper i know you haven't i know i said i wasn't going to compare them but but because you haven't seen this movie i would say that the movie dangerous liaisons with Dunn close and john john Hockridge, that would be in the a's for me and so i do think that it's a, it's a little bit higher for me in terms of just uh movie grading <laughs> fair 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 i recommend i recommend both though all right, I'm gonna have to see the uh, dangerous liaison. It's fun. It's also not about, even though it's a period piece, not a long movie. It's a quick watch. All right. Well, shall we wrap it up, my man? Wrap it up. Let's do it. This was a fun one. Goodbye or au revoir. <laughs>